I about, did I have something for tonight? I said, sure, I got something. <laughs> Didn't know what it was, but I had something, right? And so I thought that what I would do is share with you something I have been studying for prob- several months, probably at least three or four months, that uh, I feel like uh, the Lord has been guiding me in a certain direction. And it all is in reference to the kingdom. But tonight's message, I came up with the title of is Navigating the Kingdom. The kingdom, we hear the kingdom of God and, you know, but a lot of times when we talk, people talk about the kingdom, they keep talking about the kingdom of heaven is when we go to be with the Lord. Well, yes, that is that when we go there, that is what we'll be. But the kingdom is more than that because the kingdom is not then, the kingdom is now. And so many times we kind of crust over the uh, uh, the surface of what the kingdom is. And when the Lord started putting me on my heart, he, he, believe it or not, what he started out with, he started out with me with a door. Okay? Now, the Lord does it differently. Well, I'm sure Pastor Langer has there. But sometimes sometimes the Lord will just give you a word. Sometimes the Lord will give you a phrase. And so... You know, you take it where the Lord goes. He starts hitting with the door. So I go to doors, and I start looking up all the things about doors. What's doors? What do you think? And so doors, it always gives you something. If you have a door, it a door, to, you know, we lock our doors at night, right? Hopefully you do, right? In this day and time. You lock your doors to keep people from coming in, right? So if you can have people from coming in, you lock the door. But then when you come home, you have a key to take and unlock the door so that you can go in doors hold have things behind them of value sometimes so he started talking to me about doors and then he got this talking to me, so i started looking at all the doors and i was developing doors and i had all these notes going on doors and i said well we had to have access to the doors so he said so i moved from there to keys keys is the access that we have the authority that we have right to be able to do it and he just kept building on this thing and building, and I'm doing it. I'm saying, well, when is this thing, where is it going? Where is this thing going? And so, this scripture, I was reading it, just happened to be reading it when I was looking at doors and stuff. And it's a very familiar scripture, Matthew six thirty three, very familiar. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. And the context of that is he was talking about supplying the needs for the birds of the air and all that. They have need to not worry about that. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom. And I said, oh, the kingdom. And I said, well, I know what the kingdom is. Well, the kingdom of God. And the more I begin to dig into it, and the more I begin to dig into it, I found out it's a whole lot bigger than what I thought it was. And I think a lot of times we kind of crust over the kingdom because it's not taught a lot. It is taught, but it's not taught things. But if it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then that means it's something very, very, very important if it's the first thing we're supposed to do. Now, we realize that we get saved we, and we give our hearts to the Lord. But then, once we become a Christian, the first thing he says is, seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. How do you seek a kingdom? How do you look? How do you find the kingdom? Yes, people, where is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? All of these things. So, when we, if it's that important, then we need to ask ourselves this. 
we need to understand the what, the where, and the how of the kingdom. Okay? In other words, what is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? And how do I access the kingdom? Because if we don't know what it is, we'll never look for it. If we know what it is, but we don't know where it is, we can't find it. And once we find it, if we don't have the the means by which to access it, then what do we have? So tonight I want to share with you these these answer these questions the best that I can. And let's look at what first, what is the kingdom? Now, the kingdom of heaven, we see two references in scripture. One is called the kingdom of heaven. The other one is called the kingdom of God. Now, there are teachings that goes around that talks about one of them being now, you know, one of them was being later. Then there's a teaching that goes around that says all the ones that's talking about the kingdom of heaven was more for the Jews to understand, but the kingdom of God was for the Gentiles. There's a whole lot of philosophies that runs around about this one being this one and this one being the other ones. But I believe that the kingdom of, uh, a kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same thing. When you look at Matthew, Matthew is the only writer in the New Testament, he's the only writer that uses the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Kingdom of heaven is mentioned 32 times in the New Testament, but it's all in the book of Matthew. Okay? So, okay. So Matthew maybe had something that he was making it to where it would sound different. Maybe it was for the Jews or whatever. But the thing about it, when you look at all of the other writers, okay, and all of the others where they're writing about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is used, depending on translation, 70 times in 10 different books of the New Testament. So when you look at that, you say, well, was this, you know, Mark said this, and you know, different ones, and Paul said this, but they're in two different books, but they're written by, by uh, uh, ten books of the Bible, which some of them are Paul and, and so forth. So, but if we, but we need to understand and make sure that these things actually are the same. So, let's look at a comparison of the parallel accounts of the same story, in other words, the same parable in the Gospels from two different authors. Talking about the same place. Okay? So, in Matthew, in the, in speaking about John the Baptist, now the story is about John the Baptist, it says, Matthew 11, it says, Truly I say to you among those born of women that there is not, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently, and violent men take it by force. Then the same story, the same parable in Luke chapter 7 verse 28 says, I say to you among those born of women that there is none greater than John. Same story. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. (coughs) So we have one disciple calling it the kingdom of heaven, the other disciple calling it the kingdom of God. So they're talking about the same thing. If they weren't talking about the same thing, they would have matched up in what they were saying, right? 
So, but Jesus did the same thing. If you look at Jesus, he uses phrases when he was talking to the rich young ruler. In Matthew 19, 23 and 24, it says, And Jesus said unto the disciples, Truly I say unto you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, And again I say to you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. God. Therefore, we can say that these things mean the same thing or talking about the same place or the same instance. Now realize that when the kingdom of God is talked about, especially in the New Testament, talking about the kingdom of God, there are times that it's talking about when we are with the Lord in the kingdom of God. Okay, And there are times that he's talking about the kingdom that has been established here on the earth. Right? The kingdom, the kingdom that's here. So, but we have to Understand that that way. But now the reason that Jesus taught so much of the kingdom was because of the misunderstanding that the Jews leaders had uh, when he was talking about the kingdom. Because the Jews were looking for a Messiah to come to establish a kingdom on the earth, be the king and ruler of that earth, and be their king their uh, God and uh, to be their king and rule and reign on earth. So anything that he was talking about when he kept talking about the kingdom of God, they couldn't understand what he was talking about because they were thinking, they were thinking in the physical because you have to realize that he, he was, he's here to establish a kingdom on the earth, but he's looking to build a kingdom on the earth that is a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. But if you look, uh, if we're looking for uh, spiritual uh, understanding in Jesus' teachings, we have to see that or we miss a lot of what the Word of God says about that because we lose the spiritual side of it. So many times we are just like the Pharisees and just like the Jews of that day. We are constantly, we take the Word of God and try to make that something physical and natural for us. When God is trying to tell us so many times, I'm not trying to establish something naturally in you. I'm trying to give you something spiritually. Many times we hear the question, you know, ask what you will and God will give it to you. Just ask what you will. How many times have you asked for something and didn't get it? What happens if somebody goes, if all of you went home tonight and says, Lord, I want to win the lottery tonight. You along with 350 million people across the United States, okay? God may answer one, or as we can see recently, none. So if I ask and I don't receive, what was he talking about? Because the Bible says when you, when you pray, what do we want? What's God want us praying? He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to give us. He wants, he wants to give us. How many times do we ask for God to give us spiritual things? More of your word, revelation of your scripture, power for prayer, all of these things that, that we really need. He says, if you ask for any spiritual blessing, I will bless you. Hands down. Why? Because that spiritual blessing causes you to want to come closer to Him. And that's the whole point of what it is, is because If you go back to the very beginning in Genesis, if you go back to Genesis, from the very beginning, Jesus walked with Adam and Eve. What did he have? Fellowship. He was fellowshipping with them. He was able to walk with them. Why? Because they 
He had created them in His image, pure and without sin. So God's presence could be in that, right? It could be in that. Why? Because they were different. Okay? He had created them different, right? But after the fall, after the fall, He had to put them away from Him. Why? Because He had lost that communion because they had chosen another spiritual direction. And so therefore... They started this walk. Then we got Abraham. We go through Isaac, Jacob. We go all the way through the story. And we begin to look. And Jesus starts the children of Israel. He sets them apart. He builds all this stuff with them. And then he says, I will rule over you. He delivered them from Egypt. Took them through the wilderness. They moaned, groaned, griped. We all don't want to get on those stories, right? But they moaned, groaned, and griped all the way through. And he wanted to. He took them into the promised land. Took them 40 extra years to get there, but they got there, right? And then once they got there, he was ruling them through theocracy. Why? Because he wanted a personal relationship with his people. He wanted them directly with him. But yet the people chose something different. Just like Eve chose something different from what God wanted, and Adam chose something different. Now the people wanted something different. They wanted a natural king. Again, God says, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And he gave them kings. Kings were good. Kings were bad. Okay? During the good times, when the kings would worship God and kept the people close to the Lord, they had good times. When a bad king would come along, they had bad times. But the thing was, God was still, through the prophets, was trying to guide them and direct them. But the kings didn't listen to the prophets. Even kill some of the prophets. Right? So, the thing about it is, God is, again, saying, I want fellowship with you. I want that time of intimacy. I want that time with you. Okay? So, whatever that was. That's one of those ones they throw things on because it changed over to HR block. That's what it is. Anyway. Kingdoms require three things. It requires a king, subjects, people, and territory. Now that's a natural thing. In other words, when you look at the children of Israel, they had the, you know, Israel, the, the Israel, the, the landmass they had. They had a king, and they had subjects, and then they had the territory. Now. <laughs> You can have a king, and when you have a king, we don't really understand what a king is. Because we live in a democracy. We elect a president, okay? We elect our Congress, our senators. We elect people, right? So we have a problem. If you want to get something done around here, it's majority. That's 50% plus one. If 50% plus one say go to the right, then everybody has to go to the right or live in that environment. A kingdom is not that way. A kingdom is different. A kingdom is not a, theor- uh, 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 is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. If it's from God, right? We're talking about God, but I'm talking about in the king, it's, 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 it's kingdom power. That king has absolute power. You want to, you don't, he doesn't like you? He can say, whoop. And you have to be killed. He has absolute power. You have no power in the kingdom that has a king. It's not your choice. It's his choice for you. Okay? So, 
These subjects, when you talk about an adverse subject, all the children of Israel had to do what the king said. If they didn't, they paid their paid the price for it, right? Now, if the kingdom requires three things, then we under we need to understand then where is the kingdom? If there is a kingdom, there must be what? A king. So where the king reigns is where the kingdom lies. In other words, wherever the king is, that's where it is. As a matter of fact, how do you know if the king or queen, now it's the king, but how do you know the king is in, where the king is in England? Which house is he in? The one where the flag is flying. You go there, it says the king is in residence. It's here. He's here. Why? Because the flag is there. Okay? We need our flag up if the king is a resident. Okay? But to let you know that's there. But anyway, that's here. So, where is the kingdom? Okay? Luke seventeen twenty. And when he had deemed, and when he had demanded, and when he was demanded by the, of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom God, the kingdom of God cometh not from observation. In other words, the kingdom is not something I can put my eyes on and I can see. Okay? Now, I can't put my natural eye on it and see it, right? One day with my spiritual eye, I'll step into the kingdom and I'll be able to see the streets of gold, the gates of pearl. Because I will spiritually be there. Eternally there. And I'll be able to see that. Why? Because I won't have flesh eyes anymore. I won't have natural vision anymore. I'll have eyes, spiritual eyes, to see the spiritual things of God. And to be able to see all that God has prepared for us. And it says, so we can't see it and put our finger on it saying, this is the kingdom here. Or this is the kingdom over here. This is the kingdom. This You can't put your hands on it. You can't observe it. Neither shall they say, lo, it's here or, oh, it's over there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, some translations say among you instead of within you. The thing about it is, Jesus was in their midst when he said that. Jesus was right there. He was the king. He had it all. He was among them. But once he left, where did he where did he go to live? Inside. This is where he lived, right? He came to live inside. So, to know where the kingdom is, we must understand that the kingdom is where the king reigns, where Jesus reigns. There is a future reign, yes, we talked about that, but there is the reign that resides right here in our hearts, right here. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in the temple and torn from top to bottom, showing that there was no longer a need for God to have His presence in a room on the Holy of Holies. No longer was a priest having to go into that Holy of Holies for me, but he said, that's gone. He says, that presence of God left because Jesus Christ says, now the Holy Spirit, that kingdom is going to reign within you. Okay? He says, 
It says that we are the temple. When Jesus died on the cross, so we become the temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16-17 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Okay? If anybody destroys the temple of God, God will destroy that person, for the temple of God is holy. It was called in the Old Testament the what? The holy of holies. It was the most holy place. Do you realize that the most holy thing lives within each and every one of us? Right here on the inside of us. And that is, you know, it's one of those things. Now, if Jesus lives within us, then His kingdom is where? In us. Right? Until the day that we go to be with Him in heaven. The kingdom is here. So, people say, well, seek ye first the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? It's right here. How if it's here, that's important that it's here. But what does that what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is here. Okay? So, but when it says in the scriptures, it says, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is likened to, we see that. It's likened to this, it's likened to that, it's likened to this, it's likened to that. He's, not, he's trying to explain to us that the kingdom is a walk. It has it's a characteristic. It's something inside of us. In other words, he, if you seek the kingdom, then you're seeking to live under the, under the reign of the king that has the kingdom. And the kingdom inside of you is what God wants us to become. Seek those things that God wants you to become to be part of the kingdom. You can't be part of the kingdom if you haven't conformed to what the king says. Live by what the king says. God never gave suggestions. He gave commandments. Commandments is not a suggestion. It is something He said to do. And we must do as the commandment said to be a child of the kingdom. Now, I got these things all up here. Never mind. So, when we read the scripture where it says, you know, in Matthew where it talks about, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it says to seek first, to seek something. To seek means to aim or to strive after. To strive after a place or a life, a lifestyle in the kingdom, living in that kingdom. Now, if you read in uh, uh, the scripture in uh, and out of the Amplified in, in Matthew six thirty three, it says, "But first and most importantly, seek, aim, or strive after His kingdom and His righteousness, His ways of doing." And being right, an attitude and a character of God. An attitude and a character of God. And it says, then everything else will be added to you after that. See, if we seek God first, we don't have to worry about what's coming next. A lot of people are seeking this out here to get this. And he's saying, seek this and I'll take care of that. We've got it backwards. We go seeking, but we're not going to seek him, we're not going to seek. We're seeking the things that He provides. Because that's what the kingdom is all about. Because now I'm, that, it's resonant with me. Now, the thing about the kingdom and why the kingdom became 
a, a real problem with the Jews, and, and a lot of times I think a lot of problems with us, is the fact that the kingdom has a mystery around it. You have to realize that when Jesus talked about the things of the kingdom, none of these things had ever happened before. In other words, when you look at Jesus, a person is saved. No salvation in the Old Testament. Nobody, you couldn't be saved by the, by the blood of what? Animals, right? You could only be what? Covered. They were covered in the Old Testament because they were obedient to the law. But they had to be obedient to every aspect of the law. If they broke one part of the law, then they were guilty of the whole law. So we have this thing. So the mystery, if the mystery of the kingdom had been revealed with understanding in the Old Testament, Satan would have never had Jesus killed. Because he would have known that part of the mystery that by killing Jesus it was going to save the world and he was going to lose his power. So all of the things, the salvation of man, having faith and confidence in the Lord, all of these things that we see that Jesus was teaching the people, blessed are those who mourn for such is the kingdom of God. All of these things that he began to talk about, all of these characteristics of the kingdom were new to those people. They hadn't been, they hadn't seen that. That was a part. That's the reason why the Pharisees had such a hard time with it. Because it was something they had never seen because they kept, everything was physical in the Old Testament. How did Jesus follow, how did Jesus show himself to, he baptized them what? When they went through the sea or they went through the Jordan. How did they, how did he cover them with the Holy Spirit? He gave them a cloud by, a cloud by day and a fire by night. That covering, it talks about in the scriptures, that covering was how God baptized them and how God's presence was with them. It was all physical. It was all outstanding. But God said the New Testament is not the Old Testament. It's not a natural thing. It's something new. It's something fresh. It's something that God wants. I want to have the same relationship that I had with Adam and Eve in the garden. I want a personal relationship. I want to live right here. I want to talk to you here. I want to be with you here. I'm going to go with you everywhere. So this kingdom is a mystery. Mark 4.11 says, And He was saying to them, To you, He's talking to His disciples, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, but to those who are outside, everything is parables. I still have to deal with them in the natural because they can't understand the spiritual. Okay? But, after Jesus died, the Word now, what the disciples knew and the mysteries that God revealed to them, has been revealed to us in His Word. So we now have access to the mysteries of God, okay, and what God wants for each and every one of us. The world is blinded to the kingdom. The world is blinded to the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom unless you are truly a born-again child of God. Now, we look at our world today, and it's crazy. I get amazed. Every time I watch the news, I am amazed. I said, Lord, can it get any worse than it is? 
And what we always want to come up, why can't they see that? Why can't they see that this is wrong? So-called, with quotes on each side, Christians. I'm going to put quotes around it because I believe that Christianity, there are certain things in Christianity that a Christian should live. Right? Do those things pleasing to his sight. Do what the Word of God, keep his commandments. Do what the Word of God says. Now, we hear today that Christians in evangelical churches say abortion is okay. They say homosexuality is okay. They say trans sexuality, I guess, is okay. Not being married and living together, that's okay. They even come people say there's a teaching going down saying that every sin has been forgiven, so if it's already been forgiven, why do you have to ask for repentance? Because you're asking God, God forgave every sin up until the point that you said, forgive me. Anything you do after that, you've got to repent for, right? But it's important for us to realize that people calling themselves Christian, if they can't see this and they see this as being right, you better question Christianity. I mean, when you think about it, right? Because if you can't see the truth, that means that the truth is not in you. You're not living the kingdom of God. You're living in the kingdom of the world. And they are two separate things. Satan is in the world. Jesus is right here. When all of us came here tonight, we brought the Holy Spirit with us. We brought Jesus with us. We brought the Father with us. We came here. We didn't have to... The Holy Spirit doesn't have to come. He's already here in each and every one of us. Many times we're saying, we, a lot of our songs we pray, and I'm not trying to cut down a song, but I'm saying, a lot of times we get wanting things to happen. We are the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is right here. If we want things to happen, we let those things happen. Let God, let, as we open up to God, let God bless us, and as God blesses us, it blesses everybody else. That's what the kingdom is all about. But it's important that we access every area, every area of the kingdom of God to be able to benefit from everything that is contained in the kingdom. So, what is the kingdom? We know the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? We found out where the kingdom is. Now, how do we access the kingdom? If we know where it is, we know what it is and we know where it is, then how do we access the kingdom? And look at a few scriptures here. It's kind of a long text, but I want to read it. Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19. And he said unto them, But who? Now, this is where Jesus was asking. At first he asked, Who do they say I am? And now he's asking the disciples, Well, who do you say I am? So, But who do yourselves say that I am? And Simon Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say 
to you, Peter, to you, that you, Peter, are, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, the Catholic Church has built their whole religion on the fact that Peter here is the rock, and Peter here is the one that the, that the church itself is built upon. It was built upon Peter. And that's the basis of their, that's the basis of their teaching. Alright? But if you go back and look, it says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what we're, that's what he's talking about here when he says, and you say to you, Peter, and upon this rock, what rock? You are the Christ. It will be built upon the rock of Christ. Christ is the rock. Build it there. And the church will be built upon the rock that is established in Jesus Christ. And the church is not a building. The church is us. As we gather together, we are the church. A church, they used to have, I mean, you saw this thing when you were growing up, right? Here's a, here's, you know, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up and see all the people, right? I mean, I learned that as a kid. I don't know where I learned it, but I learned it, right? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. Here's all the people. You wiggle around the people. The thing about it, it's the people that's the church. It's not the building. You can have a church service in any building. And we were, my wife and I were walking yesterday through a park that we'd never been to before. And we were walking through this park. And all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, this park, here's this little lean-to type up there. It's got uh, two-by-sixes stacked up in, two, in about four rows and a place up in the front. And it was a place where you could have a meeting. I assume it was built by the, you know, maybe Boy Scouts to have their meetings or something. I don't know. But I said, man, that's the perfect thing for a brush harbor. All you have to do. The Bible says, how many, what's it say? If the Bible, if one or two are gathered in my name, so we don't realize what we're carrying around. We don't realize the power that we're carrying around, right? Well, this is here, okay? Now, In 1 Corinthians 3.11 it says, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's the rock. That's the foundation. He says it's built upon Jesus, the prophets and the apostles. It, this rock is built there. It's all there. Now, verse 19 in that scripture says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys are a symbol of authority. Or authority to access something. It doesn't say, I will give you a key. It says, I will give you the keys. Which means there's more than one. Normally when we see something said like this in Scripture, like when it says the seed versus seeds, we understand that the seed is usually who? Christ Jesus. Or the seed is the Word of God. Okay, it's talking about that. But when it talks about seeds, it can be something else. When it talks plural, it's talking about something else. So we're not going to misunderstand this being that the keys to the kingdom is not the key to the kingdom, which would be Jesus Christ. He is one of those keys, right? But He's not the only key. There are other keys that God, that He said that we can have here. He said, and He said, I, He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He didn't give them to them right then. Why? 
Did he have them? Or did he get them after he died on the cross? Right? Died on the cross. Then he got the keys of death. He took the keys back. He took the authority that Adam and Eve lost. He took it back. And he says, I now have the keys. And I will give you these keys to be able to open the keys of the kingdom of God. So that you can see it, recognize it, understand it, live in it, walk in it, be that part of it. Okay? Now, why did he just had to, you know, but in Revelation 1, verse 18, it says, And the living one, who is that? One, that's Jesus. And I was dead, and behold... I am alive. He's showing himself to John. He says, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. I have the keys. And Jesus said, I give you the keys. He told me, I'm giving the keys. The keys to the kingdom. The keys are ours. I'm out of time. Um, So a lot of people say, well, what, what are the keys? I can't get up here and go over every key in the Scriptures. But keys are areas that Jesus taught. There are certain things that He taught, and and through the apostles, things that were taught. The keys are like the Gospel. The Gospel message. The things of God's message. Uh, Just to mention a few. There's the key of faith. Understanding faith. Taking hold of faith. Key of prayer. Key of obedience. Key of love. Key of discipleship, humility, gratitude, generosity, patience, kindness, unity, hope, contentment, repentance, servanthood, encouragement, thankfulness, holiness, perseverance, humility, diligence, discernment, rest, on and on and on. All of these things are character things that God wants to build inside of us to give us the confidence to be able to have that holy, close communion with Him. And every one of these keys gives you access to the door for each one of these. Because they're keys that God says, because this is the gospel. We have the keys to the kingdom. We have the keys to the good news. The keys to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we know we have the kingdom. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom. Now we know what it is. We know where it is. And we know how to access it. Now what do we have to do? We have to put it into practice. Okay? God bless you as you stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, I pray that you help each and every one of us, God, to recognize all of the characteristics that the kingdom inside of us has to offer. That, God, that our lives can be pulled together to walk in unison with you. And to have that close communion, God, with you. So, God, I pray that you just give us the strength as we do it. God, be with us as we go. Watch over us, I pray. Bring us back to the next appointed time to worship you and praise you. And, God, go before us and keep us protected. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you so much.